0: Welcome to Unexpected Points. I am your host, Kevin Cole. This week I am joined by half of Massey Peabody Analytics, half of the ever-so popular, I'm one of the seven certified listeners, uh, the Bet the Process podcast. And he is also, I believe, confirmed as the third best professional sports better in the world. Well, at least that was a couple of years ago. <laughs> a couple of years ago, he was confirmed as that. He is also a Twitter personality. He is Rufus Peabody. Rufus, thank you for joining me. Uh, thanks for having me, Kevin. And I think it was only the United States for one week. Only, only the United States, yeah. For for those who don't know, Rufus was part of the Draft Kings. What was the official title of that? Of that? the Sports Betting National Championship. Oh, the National Championship. You're sure you're right. It's not. This is not global. Sorry, I, I don't mean to offend any of our uh, international listeners. Who sorry, may, Tony Bloom. Who <laughs> may in fact be be better sports betters, but Rufus, with some controversy, uh grabbed third place in that contest. Are are they gonna re- are they gonna redo that again? Do you know? You know, they they were trying to do it last spring, but then COVID happened.
1: But I mean, I think it's a fantastic idea overall. I mean, it's just I mean, I, I love all these creative games, but but I think there are issues with potential collusion that, you know, you have a group of ten people that sign up and they're coordinating plays and Essentially, you know, there's issues of collusion there that exist much more so than in the world of DFS, in my opinion.
0: Okay, but before we dig into all those issues, um, maybe I'll just lay out here from a high level. We're going to discuss some of the stuff that, that you have going on. We'll discuss the work that you do modeling and all the stuff that goes on behind your modeling. And then we'll discuss what's going on week three and some picks that you like based upon your modeling this week. So yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on with DFS. You don't really do um, NFL DFS. Uh, you've done some golf. Another thing is, I guess your your background is not only do you do NFL, college, baseball initially, correct? Yeah, I took my first baseball season off since 2009. So yeah, is it is, is baseball just too weird, or is it just like getting more towards being unbeatable at this point? Um, it's it's getting harder to beat. That's, that's for sure. You know, I, I've always done well in even
1: numbered years. So the fact that I took this year off was a real um, was a real tough decision. And, and I know spoken you spoken know, like say, a true analytical man. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> Literally. I, I have a really good season every even numbered year and every odd number. I've only had like one odd numbered year that was was good. Most of them are break odd number years or break even, or or maybe even slight loser. So uh, I think, yes, markets are are way tougher than they used to be. Um, there's, and there's so much more data accessible. I know people that are modeling, you know, literally physics of, of the ball resistance and the humidity and like doing it from a physics perspective. And I'm like, I can't compete against that with like my mixed effects model for like ballpark, you know, ballpark effect. Um, so there's that. And and there's the fact that it's baseball is just kind of, I mean, it's a grind. It's a lot of work. And in, in, as automated as you have it, there still is the, you know, even if you have somebody else doing the trading, there's still a lot of time it ends up taking and in mental bandwidth. And so,
0: yeah, I, I, yeah, know, I mean, a daily I, basis, right? Yeah.
1: I'm trying to simplify my life. And I say that despite the fact that I have like seven different balls in the air, it feels like professionally right now. Um, so I'm trying to cut out, I'm in general trying to cut out things that I feel don't feel like have a long-term that don't have long-term value to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now where, I, you know, it's something that I wanted to, to hit on a little bit and I don't know where this falls into the ecosystem, how much of it is a concern of, of yours, but, it's kind of on more on the consumer side not dealing with the casinos but then dealing with you know the 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 tout industrial complex i guess you could you could say <laughs> out there which is becoming a bigger and bigger thing you know affiliate deals are out there everywhere um sports betting is always going to be it's going to be a bigger thing than dfs just because of the ease of use essentially for the i mean you you can you know you can flip a coin and you can bet on almost anything if you want to as opposed to in dfs there's a little bit more that goes into it and there's probably a little bit more of a big fish little fish dynamic there which makes it not you know people will notice that they're not being they're not being profitable and they're getting eaten alive there so what about touting does this come into play here well i mean i i think most
1: people know how i feel about touting um i'm you know i'm I'm not a huge fan of touting. Obviously, um, I think it, it it takes money out it takes money out of the betters' hands, sort of out of the ecosystem in a way. I, I think that there will always be touts, unfortunately. Just like there'll and there'll always be people willing to buy picks from touts. It's it's just you have the same thing in, in the financial world. You have the same thing in cryptocurrency. You have people that are, um, I mean, you have the sort of boiler rooms, if you will, right, in, in the finance world, and people um, selling you know, penny stock picks. So, um, I think it's a, it's a marketing game more than anything else. I think Vegas daves of the world have taught us that and people that are are good and, you know, sly marketers, uh, can go a long way there, but you know, they still have to, they have to live with themselves, um, knowing that they're, that they're basically selling, um, I mean, knowing they're scamming people. And I think the best way to handle that, the touts is basically to educate people on, on, on what, On on why why it is that touting in general is is not an enterprise that is generally or it's it's not the avenue that successful
0: sports bettors generally take and the reasons behind that. Um, I mean, I always wonder when it comes to this that I mean, number one, you know, it's this type of behavior is prevalent in a lot of different industry is maybe not as as naked and out there as it is in in sports betting but number two you know for a lot of people sports betting it's entertainment right um it's it's a way for them to be entertained and i think in a way you know we we, you might consciously think if i'm signing up for this tout service i am going to win money and that's why i'm doing it but in a way you might also just be I don't know, you might be enhancing your entertainment in a way by thinking you're going to win. So it's like wait, wait yeah. if you want to enhance your entertainment, you know, why would you I mean you could just bet on a team and root for it.
1: That's that's, that's true. Like, you don't need that's to pay true, somebody else to, to flip the coin for you. You know, it's it's, it's, it's like literally the feeling asking you're gonna somebody win. else to flip a coin for you. But, that's so true. That's true. So I, I'd argue this. I, I feel like sports betting is I think part of the entertainment is I mean, there's entertainment in having a sweat on on the game. Um, it makes, it, it, it makes it more fun to watch. I agree with that unless it's like a huge, huge amount of money, in which case it makes it less fun to watch. But, um, but the other thing is it's a way to sort of test yourself as a sports fan and your knowledge, your perceived knowledge of the game and your theories and what, you know, you can sort of say, this is what I think is going to happen. And now I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. And I think that's the fun for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, no, no, I, I think that's a good point. I think it also goes to a lot of the discussion, around sports and i know you you, you, most of your sports betting pretty much all your sports betting is 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 like a model-based sports betting correct
1: yeah although i'll say this yesterday um i was watching the raiders saints game i didn't have any action on the game and at halftime and and my second half model is kind of i'll say it's broken right now because the nfl's changed up their json stuff and and i haven't managed to download nfl fast scraper I can't even figure out how to download it. Actually. I'm not, I'm not, I'll R get user. you in touch
0: with Ben Bauman um, on that one.
1: <laughs> I'm just, I'm like how, you know, I, I, I've written, I have a few packages in R, but I'm like how the I'm, I'm not the, the most smart person figuring it how, out how all the aspects of the computer work together and all that stuff. But um, I know my little piece of the forest, but anyway, so I just like literally ran something from an Excel spreadsheet from 2014. I was like, I wonder what, what you know, this this old artifact of a, of a second half model. And I was like, I wonder what, if it shows an edge. And I was like, you know what? I'll put 5,000 on, on the under, given that it shows a 20 cent edge, and just, just for the fun of it, just to watch yeah. it. Given, you know, I was like, yeah, it, it might be break even,
0: but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll live a little bit. Yeah. Well, I guess my, my point was going to be like you're saying, ultimately, it's about how do you understand the game, who's going to win or lose. But yet, there's always this discussion between, who knows like who knows what 's going to happen, and I think in DFS in football in particular, you know you, you have to know beyond what a model is going to tell you for things like how many carries someone 's going to have, you have to be following the news, you have to be you know interpreting what coaches are saying, you have to know in certain circumstances i don 't know if you can really model every aspect of it, whereas for sports betting, you can so i guess i 'm always trying to put those two things together um, for the NFL and just figure out why is it on a is it just because it's on more of a macro level, like a team level, that it works so much better than if you're trying to to model out specific players, or or, or do you think that's wrong? Because I know you do props work, although normally it's on bigger games. No, I mean I, I think I think models can work for
1: DFS um, for proje- I mean DFS projections are basically the same thing as projections for prop bets. So I think the notion that models can't work. Um, I I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I I do think that you, there are other aspects though. You're right. I mean, there's qualitative aspects. I think models work at projecting, you know, it's a lot easier to model a guy's yards per catch than it is to model um, his targets. If you know, Like, I mean, like think about Emmanuel Sanders yesterday, you know, you could say, okay, Michael Thomas is out. Is he going to step into that role and be the primary um, be the number one option? And it turned out, no. Shaquan Smith kind of stepped into that num- like the Michael Thomas role and Emmanuel Sanders stayed in what his role would normally be. Um, did he even get a catch? I know he had no catches most of the time. He had a couple
0: came. of drops early. But yeah, yeah, I think he did get a catch later.
1: So I mean, so that's the kind of thing that's uh that, you know, if I have a model that says, oh, well, my the DK, like this guy's snap rate is whatever and his target share, you know, I DK this properly, like you know, this is what his target share should be. And, and that's how I sort of approached this from the beginning back like when I started doing props in like 2008. And it was, and, and I kind of was like, you know, thought that math would do, the stats would, would be everything, um, but it isn't. And, and you have to understand the limitations and, you have, and you're right, there's a lot of qualitative stuff that goes into it, which is, to be quite honest, the reason that I don't do props on a weekly basis. It's just, it, it would just be too much of a time suck. Um, right but you're right but if you think about it on a team level you do have the same things you have injuries you have to deal with you know the guy's questionable what's you know you have to put in a put a number or I or mean maybe you're not actually putting a number on it but you have to try to figure out how much this guy's worth and and how much um you know what's the likelihood of him actually playing and being full strength is and so um and and, and you know let's say you have a team i mean here's part of it i mean a team like the Bucs this year or the Panthers with um, the Panthers have a new coach and a new quarterback, the Bucs just have a new quarterback where you didn't have the long off season. You kind of expect that, you know, a team like that um, is going to get better as the season wears on. Um, How do you sort of evaluate their performance early in the season? Given that like, like my model doesn't hand, my model is not equipped to handle that and say, Oh yeah, Tampa is going to be getting better. Um, I need to, you know, essentially mark like, upgrade their stuff a little bit more early on just because
0: they're going to be getting better or something like that. So there, then how would you approach it? I guess what would be the question? I mean, if you don't, if the model's not accounting for it and the more you start to make mental adjustments based upon these, these factors, you could be, um, You know, accounting for a lot of noise and other stuff that goes into it too. So, I guess that would be the question: Do you do even, or is it safer to not to just look at whatever has the biggest edge? Maybe do a sanity check on it and then fire away. I mean, my default is to kind of think most things are noise, or or just to
1: sort of assume they are. I mean, I think the injuries are are clear. um, I mean, are clearly different. I think injuries are not noise. Um, But I mean, but a lot of the other stuff. Um, yeah, it's a lot
0: harder to quantify. So. But you have you know, a specific it, adjustment in your models for, for the quarterback.
1: I do. Yeah. And in, in the past, the pat the, the two years before this, I, I had a player model I was running too. I haven't actually run that yet this year. Um, I haven't been able to get the same, the same data that I had gotten the previous two years. And I don't want to spend, uh, uh yeah, I have a lot going on. I'm I'm a little burned out as it is. I don't want to spend time re-engineering this whole thing, but, um, so, but, but I still, we still have the Massey Peabody quarterback rating, but the, 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 the problem with that is that it doesn't actually change during the season. So it's, it's very hard during, like, it's very hard to sort of figure out what is quarterback performance and what is the team in general, especially when the quarterback, I mean, as, as you know, the quarterback is doing a lot of things that don't show up in a boss score. He's, you know, potentially getting the team in the right play, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, So it's, it's better at the beginning of the season, but like, you know, when, when a team loses a quarterback, I mean, there's, I mean, I have an adjustment for that as well, but it's, I mean, it's not nearly as good as a player, like as a sort of, you know, player
0: level model would be. Well, how big of a component is the quarterback rating? I mean, can you, can you quantify it versus, versus other strength factors, which may be, you know, that I guess if it's not part of the quarterback, you don't, you don't, you don't specifically lay out what those other factors are, but the quarterback relative to that other stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, like the quarterback, I mean, is a huge factor. The question is it's figuring out what's quarterback and what's offense, right? You know, what's Tyrod Taylor running the, what, what, what's Tyrod Taylor and what's the Chargers' offense versus what's Justin Herbert, you know? So, I mean, I've done a little bit in, in, the research I've done, just looking at sort of um, at how these sort of, I guess, both fixed and random effects sort of vary from year to year. Um, like I've found that, you know, I think in general, the off importance, the importance of the offense is, is about 52%. And the importance of the quarterback is about 48%. So the offense means like everybody, but the wow. quarterback, I mean, that's just <laughs> one way of looking at it. That's through a Massey Peabody
0: framework. Um, I mean that makes sense. That makes that sense. I, at first, I thought you check. were saying. At first, I thought you were saying forty-eight percent of the total fifty-two percent versus offense defense, and I was oh. like, "Oh, that going to be." Yeah. Okay. All right. That, that's good. That's we offense quarterback.
1: But I think, yeah. but, but I, I, I don't think it, it's obviously not the same for for every team either. I don't think. I think there's mm-hmm. teams, there's systems where a quarterback is much more interchangeable, um, and so it, it's it's um, so. I mean, th- that's just kind of broad strokes right there. But then, then there's also, I mean, when you add in the coaching, like how much is, you know, and I think this year is super interesting seeing, seeing uh, Cam Newton in New England. Now, Ron Rivera in Washington, um, and then Tom Brady in Tampa, of course, and, and, and how all those parties fare. And it's, I mean, you can't draw too much much of a conclusion in two games, but, but it's, 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 it's just so damn difficult to figure out um, how much, coaching like to quantify the impact of coaching beyond just in terms of well it's hard to quantify it in terms of how much a coach impacts what happens on the field because coaches it's not like you know a a team playing a different opponent every week I mean you have the or you know even quarterback well quarterbacks change teams about as much as coaches I guess but um, but it's just I mean it's also how the coach, I mean, the coach is, is, impact. The coach is impacting the game plan. He's motivating players. And then, then the easy thing that we can look at is, is his in-game analytical decisions, which is what Twitter is, you know, talks about the most for sure. And he reads block management normally, you know, Bel- Belichick not calling the timeout when he did last week. I mean, there's always a, a, a there's always, it seems like, dozens of of bad analytical decisions each week. But, I mean, I still think that's a rather small, um, that that's such a small part of
0: the impact a coach has. Yeah, I mean, we can only really see, right, we can only really see what's on the field. Even with, within what's on the field, it's fairly opaque how much the coach is actually influencing it. And these, these um, strategic decisions, which... In some ways maybe the coach shouldn't even be responsible like fully responsible for in the first place um like you said timeout time management uh, fourth down decisions um decisions on whether to fake a punt is something that often it's the coach the head coach making this making the decision which is a little bit strange in, in my opinion um so yeah all those different things are what we see and what we harp on but we don't we, we can't see the other things not only from a strategic standpoint where are an offensive or defensive coach but the management and and, and the those sorts of things we've tried to quantify coaching a little bit more by looking at um, the grading versus the results of the players how much help a quarterback has how well the receivers are grading and I guess if you can consistently juice the results above and beyond what you'd expect based upon where the players are graded we, we we start to factor some of that that in but again you know these are these are staffs of 20 different coaches. So exactly right. who to assign it to, we don't know, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: How, how much of New England is Josh McDaniels versus how much is Bill Belichick on the offense? And I mean, I think you have a lot of teams hiring New England. A lot of teams have hired people from New England coaching staff in hopes that that some of it wasn't Bill Belichick, some of it was the assistant coaching and
0: found out that maybe that wasn't the case. Or yeah, we see that coaching to being a head done, coach. That's not done very well. Yeah, I mean, a lot of ways, I mean, I think we see it with the Coach of the Year Award every single year that um, I mean, I call it like the positive variance award because coaching is, is opaque. We don't, we can't see what's going on. So therefore things we can't explain, things that happen, we can't explain. They cannot be random. Like we, we can't think, oh, they're, they're just random, which that they are a lot of times. So we have to assign it to something. And then it just kind of just filters down to the coach in a lot of circumstances.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. It's, but I mean, if you figure out how to, how to, you know, assign credit to the coach relative to the offensive coordinator relative to the organizational philosophy. I mean, I I know, I mean, the one I figured out owner values pretty easily, at least for the Washington football team, but
0: um, (laughs) you've had a lot of experience with that. Yeah. Yeah, Well, it's another thing when it comes to a coach. I mean, yeah, we can say we figured out that Andy Reid is good now, but are you ever going to be higher than the market on someone? That you figured out is good right if anything it probably just ends up being one of those situations where you're not as low as the market is on someone who's being harshly judged is probably where you could actually find some value
1: yeah you know what's interesting is i actually um so i i appear on the serious xm fantasy sports radio show I, like Every Wednesday in the football season, um, it's a strong, strong plug. There, go ahead. Um, but but uh, Chris List brought this up to me late last season about how he, you know, how the Patriots under Belichick have just covered by so many points on average. And, and I looked it up. I actually, I had this sheet up in front of me, and I like deleted it on my computer. But it was, I think, it was like three point two points um, over the course of that's like since two thousand. So mm-hmm. um, that's yeah. That's, that's margin a margin of that's margin versus the spread right that's a lot and and he asked well, what is that is that like is that like you know the wrigley field of of effects right I mean Wrigley field being like the the one state the stadium where wind has the biggest effect is basically Belichick just the it's it's the outlier is is Belichick just a total outlier there um because you know we think that i mean because it seems like belichick the the thought was that they've exceeded the expectations based on their personnel and all that stuff, and 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 it's more just of him getting the most, like him doing the things that don't, or the Patriots doing the things that don't necessarily end up in the box score or in the play-by-play, the things that we don't vet think are as repeatable, as is predictive. But but you know, number two on that list actually was like I, I looked at Andy Reid combined Philadelphia and New England or Philadelphia, sorry, in Kansas city. And he was like plus 2.4 or something like that. And then, um, Oh, who else? There was some other long tenured guy that was in the, Oh, John Harbaugh was, was pretty high too. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's interesting to sort of look, I mean, I, I don't know what that exactly tells us that, that is it that those coaches have been undervalued? Um, those teams have been undervalued or is it just variance? And if you look at, Honestly, if you look at, like, all the teams and how they've under or overperformed relative to the point spread in the last 20 years, it does look like a bell curve.
0: And, yeah, and, yeah. and,
1: and Bill Belichick is, you know, he might be number one there. He might be at one tail, but he's – it's certainly not an extreme outlier.
0: Yeah, I mean, it goes to a lot of different things. I remember thinking even in the terms of – um of investing. Like if you have enough investors, someone's going to be Warren Buffett. Like you're going to have a Warren Buffett um, no matter what. And I don't know the the coaching thing. I also think for the Patriots in particular, it's starting to be true of Kansas city this year. I'm noticing when, with some of their signings that they're doing this year, but they also get a, a feedback loop, a positive feedback loop where players are willing to play for them for less money to rehab their reputation. Uh, before they then are cycled out someplace else to make too much money, um, the Chiefs haven't been as good at, at letting players go, but they have been getting players to take relative discounts to continue staying there and playing. And I think that's part of the feedback that comes into it, also. Although Mahomes did not take the Brady discount, he didn't. But the, but taking that ten year, I mean, that's not uh, the, the most player friendly be, right? con- contract that that ever happened. Well, we'll see in about five years when it when it really when it really kicks up. So. So here's the question um, for you. How, how much yeah. is
1: Mahomes? Like, what would you say his actual value is in terms of, as a percentage of, well, I don't even know what the salary cap is, but I guess give a dollar amount per year or as a percentage of the salary cap,
0: like, yeah, I, mean, I, I think underpaid of it at 50 million. Of, uh, yeah, probably at 50 million. Yes. So th- it's, it's difficult because you try to think of it in, we, we have metrics for this wins above replacement and if you try to think of it in those terms, though, because quarterbacks are so important, like you're saying, you, you have them down as maybe half of the offensive spend. So if you think about that $200 million salary cap, you should, probably should be spending more on offense than defense, I guess, because the fact the quarterback is part of the offense and you need to spend more on the quarterback and you still have 10 other players. Well, well, the, I line, actually, the line to protect him. Yeah, and the line, the line to protect them. So you know, you're going to get a number around 50 from there, but I do think the, the the number that you would that you could model for it becomes very difficult because then you have to be able to fit in all these other players at the same at the same time and that's when um, if you're just trying to isolate the quarterback and what they're worth you're going to get some number like eighty million dollars but can you reasonably fill enough players around them to to be able to have a functioning total unit because that's never been done before like it's never been done before where we're paying someone twice as much as as they are right now so I think it's difficult to to to, to figure those things out
1: yeah it's yeah it'll be interesting to see if where quarterback contracts um go in the next five years 10 years
0: yeah i mean that they, they should be going higher i guess the the the, the franchise tag always has a an effect of, of keeping things a little bit lower um but there is more proportionally going to quarterback slightly versus versus other positions um all right, why don't we jump into some of the stuff for this week? Because I wanted to talk more about the inputs into, into your model and things like that. But I think if we talk about some of the games for this week, I think it could be interesting. And then also looking out, um, you were kind enough to send me some of your, your probabilities for things like uh, the division and the conference and the Super Bowl. And I think some of those are pretty interesting that, that we can discuss in, in light of the games. Do you have any particular games this week that you're looking at as potentially having a, an edge or out of line with, with the market?
1: Yeah, I, I don't have as much as many as I did or as as Jeff Ma would say as fewer as I did. Um <laughs> last week I um I'm, I'm actually not sure if these lines are still where I had them noted at yesterday. We uh, my my we 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 the Saints. Our, the our Saints NFL may not be at the
0: same yesterday. at the same level, but yeah.
1: No, so wait, did you think the Saints played a bad game yesterday?
0: I think Drew Brees played a bad game and I think the defense It was was a pretty bad game. I mean, the thing was, it was one of these games where Carr had outstanding efficiency and that um, Raiders offense had outstanding efficiency. And at least according to our numbers, he didn't grade particularly well. So I don't know what that means. I I, I would put that then there's at least a chance that the defense uh, was was part of the reason. I I had the
1: Saints grading six points better than the Raiders. I actually have the Saints rating improving as a result of the game. So what do you, but, think, but what, what do you think?
0: What do you think? What do you think the in internals
1: are saying for that? I, I have my game grades in front of me, and I'm looking. Okay, I, I have a few things that I just highlight, almost just to sort of see the like, just so I can understand um, kind of why a little bit. Like, I, I just, I right. mean, I have turnover margin there, which doesn't impact the game grades very that much, but um, because it's based on what's predictive. But penalty yards differential, I put down there just is a way of trying to understand the differences between the actual score and the game grades. Um, New Orleans was penalized 116 yards more than the Raiders. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of yards. That is a lot. That's a a lot of yards. And they, you know, they, I I have them as they were 94th percentile on, on offensive yards per play. Whereas Raiders were 24th and this is opponent adjusted. Um, You know, they were opponent adjusted and home and field adjusted. They were, they were better on offense than the Raiders were in play success. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they were, I'll tell you where they were worse, scoring efficiency. They, they, they were just not good at convert, you know, turning into points because because all those penalty yards. That's a big part. And the turnovers, well, the, the Drew Brees, I
0: mean, there was each team had one turnover, I guess it was right.
1: Yeah. Shot, yeah. Fumbled, I mean, I think,
0: but well, it's interesting you say that because the play success thing. I, I would assume that the Saints generally are a team that has a high success rate relative to any sort of like a, a efficiency metric, um, like a yards per play or something like. like uh, slightly, I think th- these first couple of games, it's been. It's been extremely so because he's not, he's been very, I mean, I just looked at the, the, today. He's about 20 percentage points lower in his completion percentage on passes more than five yards down the field than usual, but he's been just as good on the short stuff and they've been very good running the ball also. Yeah. Kamara had a, it seemed like had a good game. I've not actually looked at the numbers.
1: This is just, I mean, I can't give you the raw numbers, but I mean, but just from watching the game, it, it seemed like they're, they were, they, I mean, they, their running game was, was effective, but when you're in second and 26, a lot, it's, it's a little harder. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well what what about then logically since this this Saints game, they're playing a Sunday night football against the Packers. I believe that um I mean let me look. I think it's down to three now, where it opened at um six, six and a half ish. So clearly people are buying the breeze is washed type or the or the offense is washed type of um I assume that they're, they're buying that there. You must, I'd I assume you have some sort of edge on the, on the saints at, although three is not great, but if it was two and a half, obviously, but what, what, what do you think there? No, I think three is great. <laughs> three, three I really do. Good. Just looking at it and I haven't
1: bet that yet. We haven't. Um, but yeah, I, I make it assuming a fairly standard home field. Um, I make it a little over six and a half. That's, I mean, it's that's huge. Because um, you, so, you have two teams that have, I mean, you have, you have, you have the saints who have, I guess the, the, they have underperformed like at least in the eyes of the public Um and you know, the season and
0: green Bay um has played quite well. And yeah, no, I mean, Aaron has been outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. So that offense has been, has been that good, but so, Okay. okay so let me, let me think, let's just, let's try to, I want to talk about this Drew Brees thing a little bit more, just because you said that you don't adjust the quarterback ratings during the season, but yet the quarterbacks play poorly, the offense is poor, so right. that will start to come through in, in the adjustment. So, so it's it, you know if he's falling off a cliff, you will make an adjustment because the results will will bear that. But it, it, do you think there's more of a delay? I mean, people seem to be very obsessed with the age cliff when it comes to quarterbacks who are forty years old.
1: Yeah, so so when I say that the quarterback basically the quarterback has a a random effect, if you will, I mean in statistical right. parlance, um, going into the season, but that's basically just a prior, and mm-hmm. so we don't really up that doesn't get updated till the end of the next so the till the off season, um, and so basically we're just assigning. Uh, I mean, it doesn't essentially matter whether it's the team or quarterback during the season, which is why it it, it does make it harder to adjust to um to quarterback changes to injuries which is why the player model was very useful there but um but the new orleans's rating will move and what i guess all i'm saying is that it's we're not assigning any of the blame to the quarterback it's what we should probably do at this point is say okay well, let's give it 50 to the quarterback 50 to to the um to the rest of the team but in some cases um you know it might it, that still isn't right either <laughs> right but, yeah yeah uh, so 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 New orleans's rating is is gonna be changing, and it, it's just identifying what is team and what's quarterback is is what we we don't do
0: well in season, so um what was the question again <laughs> no, no that was that was basically it about about this too, so yeah they, I thought that was an obvious one when I looked at it, I looked at the numbers that you sent over, i mean even being still seeing them as a as a favorite or a near favorite uh to win to win the super bowl whereas i'm looking now and i'm seeing um yeah go ahead oh i remember it was the age cliff you mentioned the age, the cliff. age cliff yeah it yeah. is so
1: hard to figure that out um because it's not something gradual and i mean modeling aging is difficult with Sohola's, the the survivorship bias in general i mean it's not right. that i mean if you literally if you ran a linear regression on a quarterback performance you know, with, um, on age, um, with age as a right-hand side variable, you would basically say, oh, well, quarterbacks always get better as they get older. Um, <laughs> which is just because survivorship bias, right? I mean, it's, it's the better players, better quarterbacks end up playing until they're older, um, which is why you would never model it that way. But, um, <clears throat> but at the same time, it is also, you know, it's hard. Cause if you, if you just, if you do, let's say you do like a like a fixed effect essentially where you, you're just looking at modeling within the quarterback, which is traditionally, um, one way of, of figuring out age effects, right? You're looking, you're controlling for the player and looking at the changes with that arc within the player. Um, but what, what you don't see is, is what ha- you, you see when the player retires, you don't see where he would have gone had he kept playing or, or when he doesn't sign with the team. Um, so you're never really getting that, um, uh, you're not really able to model that sort of fall off steep fall off because generally those players don't get to play long enough. Um, you know, if you're struggling, you're basically going to be gone at that point, you're not going to get to continue. Um, and then it also makes it hard to integrate if you, if you do something like that where you're just looking within the quarterback, I mean, how do you integrate like a prior of how well the guy was before, um, you know, how do you deal with a rookie? Right. In that how yeah. the rookies can improve or decline so you have to i mean it's it's a challenging it's a challenging modeling problem and there's not a, like at least from what i can tell and from what professors i've talked to have said there's not i
0: mean there, there, it's not like there's
1: like oh yeah this is the one way to do it right you know
0: yeah it's, it's kind yeah, of no, yeah i mean a lot i've seen a lot of people with a similar sort of thought and theory where we we recognize the age cliff because they don't get a chance to come out of the of the dive i mean for instance uh, an example I like to use is is Philip Rivers. You know, he's been better the last couple of seasons when he supposedly in his you know, he's supposedly at an age cliff each each year than he was back in 2012. So if he had this 2012 really bad year when he's 37 years old instead of when he's 30 years old, then he might never play again. Um, but he just doesn't have that chance to to rebound there. So is that is that kind of what you're what you're getting at also for there? Exactly. So you're not actually modeling the decline. You're just saying, oh, well, he just, you know, he flattened out and then stopped. Right, right. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I'm interested. I was after week one on the Saints, I was thinking, you know, we have this long we were talking about Brady versus Breeze and I was thinking well, you know Brady wasn't really pretty wasn't really good all of last season Breeze just had one bad performance so I was a little bit more skeptical that he was falling off now it's getting it's getting a little bit a little bit harder but it's it's good to hear that that you are um maybe not seeing as as much of a fall off or, or as or more skeptical for that one is there any anything else that jumps out at you for the week well well first off I'll say the problem is the fact that yeah. I just have Drew Breeze rated too highly I mean it's just
1: <laughs> if it's just the way the like it comes out i mean because as you said the aging curve like i mean it's you know we like to think of it as all gradual but generally there is a bit of a cliff and it's until you hit that i mean like how people we we thought aaron rodgers was on the downside of it and look at how he's come out of the gates this year so i mean not that i'm drawing any conclusions from two games but um but but I think I am too high on Drew Brees. But they have another comp they have another
0: quarterback. I, I was thinking when is it Jameis time um in New Orleans? I, if, I'm if struggles- I'm fascinated by this love for Jameis across the the internet because I felt like um, maybe maybe about a year and a half ago, two years ago, everyone was so down on him and all he's done is continue to be the same player. He is basically the same player every single year, but the opinions on him have jumped around a decent, a decent amount. He's always been an above average to average efficiency player with lots of highs and lots of lows. But yet every year people seem to have a different opinion about him. What's well, the turnovers, right? I mean, right. He forces balls. I mean, sometimes he just has boneheaded
1: decisions, but when you force the ball down the field a lot, you're going to have more interceptions. Whereas like, I mean, Brady managed to minimize interceptions for so many years because he made just a ton of throws that safer throws.
0: So, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I also think dis- he had really horrible defense for a while, too. I remember seeing, I remember seeing like how well his team would win, his probability of winning based upon how many points his offense was scoring or how well he was throwing the ball, I an mean, efficiency metric. He was just much lower than some other guys like Marcus Mariota, who came at the same time, um, just because the defense and the defense started to get good uh, last year.
1: But I mean, just remember how young Jameis is still. I think that's the, the point. And it, to me, the fact that he was willing to take a deal as a backup to back up Drew Brees was like, okay, he, I mean, to me that, I don't know if it should have, but it, that signaled that, you know, he was, I don't know that, that he's willing, he's in it for the long, he thinks he's not after one contract. Now he thinks he could still be the man and wants to maximize his, his long-term uh, chances of doing that and is willing to throw I away mean, a year. And, and he also good. had LASIK. Skinny, skinny Jameis. No. LASIK Jameis. Jameis can see. LASIK, LASIK Jameis, now, skinny Jameis. Yeah. I mean, although now the, his the unis he's throwing to won't be bright orange. I mean, I think that kind of helped. That that that, that helped him. That that allowed him to at least be competent um, most of the time. But uh, yeah, uh, you asked I hope about you're building games. this Sorry. into your model. Yeah, no, no. keep, no, let's, keep getting
0: let's, us off topic. I'm, I'm really no. It's an interesting. That. So what? So let's look at what else we got here. We, well, you know, okay, maybe I want to talk about one game here. I want to. I'll be interested to see what you have to say about the Colts and the Jets, if oh. only because the Jets. Um, I don't have your updated power ratings, although I do have some updated information that you sent me. But I was surprised that the Jets were not near the bottom because that's where they are – interpreted to be um i mean i think you might be lower on teams like the like the dolphins so anyway so it, we're talking about the ten and a half point favorite the the colts are versus the jets and i also thought of the jets because you mentioned this whole young thing and, and sam Darnold is extremely young so what well, what you say about the jets uh in this game and just generally should they be viewed as the worst team in the nfl should they be no they shouldn't be viewed as the worst team in the
1: nfl i don't believe um i think i have the worst team as Hold on, not the Jets. It's going to be the Washington football team. <laughs> okay, and then Cincinnati That's just, a safe After that, just yeah. to
0: keep them there at all times. Yeah,
1: I still have the Jets, and this is going to sound ridiculous. Like you're just going to laugh
0: at me. I think they are number twenty-two. I mean, it's well, it depends on like how the cur how the distribution goes here. Like I could see there being is there not much of a difference between twenty-two and 32 or is there or does it really start to widen out on that point because then then it'll sound more ridiculous
1: like five points better than the reds the the football football team five points better than the football team like that seems ridiculous (sighs) i think the 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 issue is i I was higher well the issue is a that that it's not this is a team level not a player level so we're not you're not adjusting Mm -hmm. for the um the departures like jamal adams the COVID, well the um the opt-outs um, who was, um, who did they lose to opt out? CJ Mosley. There you go. I knew it was an important linebacker. Yeah. Um, and so he didn't play much last year though. Either, no, but he, didn't. Yeah. he didn't. Um, but I, I was, I, I was pretty high on the, the jets going into the season. I had, you know, futures on them, um, over for wins. I actually thought they would be like close to an eight win team. And so I think part of it is just the fact that like two games, aren't going to move the needle that, that much. And so, they're um yes they've gone down but um no they haven't well an so. interesting thing oh wait wait hold on wait wait ah i was my, my number for them was they were 22nd going into the season that makes way more sense okay i was looking better. at the wrong tab okay <laughs> now they are 24 basically wow. my number on them has it's fallen um it's fallen slightly over two points basically so they're okay, two, well, I, guess, I have them as two points worse than i did before the season began, which is a pretty big difference in my in my opinion but
0: yeah for for two games it's a big difference definitely mm-hmm. um I, mean, I guess my take on them, and i'm not sure if your your game grades had something similar to say about it, where against the bills um you know Josh Allen had three hundred and twelve passing yards he wasn't particularly efficient in doing so um they did have fumble. Uh, uh, fortune the Jets did because because Allen had fumbled a couple of times in that game but maybe the some of the numbers there and some of the results and the feeling that you got from that game was a complete total complete wipeout where it wasn't as as big in reality and then last week against the 49ers well I mean first of all facing the Bills and the 49ers is not exactly an easy schedule to start the season too but then last week against the 49ers um, I haven't looked at all the plays but I wonder uh, on a success rate basis the 49ers may not have been as strong as they were just generally because they had those, but they had some big plays. They had some huge scores in that, in that game.
1: Well, okay. So, so
0: that'll, when you say efficiency, you're talking about yards per play, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Although I don't know why, like, why do we, why do people refer to that as efficiency? That doesn't,
0: that seems more like,
1: like, I don't know. I
0: think of a, like, I would think like play success is more efficiency, but anyway. Well, it's um, like, how much are you squeezing out of every play? Like the total amount that you're squeezing out of every play, I would say. Okay.
1: Okay. Um, but but I have them. Their game grade for um, offensive yards per play is eighth percentile. Mm-hmm. So that adjusts for the ob- opponent too. Um, on the defensive side, thirteenth percentile. So bad. Bad on both. They were a little better yeah. in play su- in play success. They were like fifty seventh percentile offense, fortieth defense. Scoring efficiency was bad. Um, yeah, I had them
0: as the second worst team last week. They graded better than the Vikings. Well, what about those two things versus each other? Play success versus um, yards per play, or what about this?
1: <laughs> I mean, I well, like how, how do you how
0: do you view the two versus each other? I mean, there are some. I, I've I've seen things go as far as to say you can almost ignore the latter and just concentrate on play success because eventually, like success eventually leads to big plays, basically.
1: Right. There, there is a lot of noise in big plays. Obviously, there's some signal too. I mean, if you have like. You know, if you have a Deshaun Jackson, or you know, if you have speedsters down the field that can make big plays happen, a Tyree Kill. I mean, you're gonna like you can't argue that that you know Jamison Crowder is just as likely to you know hit a home run, um, but but there is more luck involved in big plays. You can you can catch a slant, have, make one defender miss, and run seventy yards untouched to the end zone. You know, if the field was two hundred yards, it would be a two hundred yard. You know, it might you know it would be another hundred yards on top of that. So, I mean there there is there is more randomness in that than there is in just in being able to consistently you know get yards in you know 10 yards at a time 6 yards whatever you know
0: basically get the chunks you need to right and so, you were saying the jets are not awful in the success categories well
1: they they weren't last week um at least right. relative to yeah i mean and but they were they were very bad at that in the first week so <laughs> I mean, I have, they rate their game grade was 27th in week one 31st in week two. I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. They were bad, bad, bad.
0: Right. Right.
1: The question is, is that, or, you know, how much should we react to that? Does that signal something? Does that, is that who they are? Or is that just a slow start? Or is that, you know, I mean, every week's different and, you know, you have a different game plan you're facing different personnel, um, you know, maybe Darnold is seeing ghosts one week and maybe he isn't the next week. So, you know, I, I can just go off of what the, you know, basically the way, the way the Massey Peabody model reacts to that is basically is a data driven way based on how much, what the impact of two weeks of football is relative to a team's prior, which it's, it's going to be, I guess, right on average, or it's not going to be biased, I don't think, but it could be, um although football is changing so it might be slow to pick up on if, if things have changed more in recent years um but it's not going to be right for every team there will be cases where it's changing you know too much and cases you know it's it, where a team's rating changes probably too much and in, in cases where it doesn't change enough and i think but what about these that's first couple of injuries. weeks
0: what about these first couple of weeks um Is it built with some sort of decay where the first, I don't know, does the first week have the largest effect on the prior versus the second week and so on or, or not? Well, I I mean, more recent weeks are valued more always. So week two matters more than
1: week one. And when we're week 13, week 12 is going to matter a lot more than week one will.
0: Okay. But I was was wondering if there's like a disjoint, if there's a disjoint like year over year, um, like the information that you're getting in week one, of 2020 is given much more weight relative to week 17 of 2019 oh, yeah. than it would yes, be versus sure. yeah okay. so so
1: the way i do it i don't even it's not like i'm valuing a week last season in there like that's baked into the prior it's already regressed the prior is is a combination of you know previous seasons as well as um you know in different in in different areas of the game um and coaching change whatever um and so so that's that yeah that number is basically established going into the season um which is a function of last year to some extent but also has already regressed to the proper mean and all that all that
0: stuff so um but yes it would be worth a lot more than a week last season okay that that makes sense okay well let's let's think about I'm um, i got another team. I'm trying to find I basically could just go and and pick out the teams that are universally hated. And those are the teams unfortunately (laughs) I've seemed to be betting on. And like people sarcastically
1: will say like, oh, you're on a bunch of big underdogs again, right? And I was like, yeah, this week I am, unfortunately.
0: Okay, so so I was the the most hated team, or at least one of the most hated teams, maybe the most hated, versus preseason expectations is the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm seeing the the Vikings here uh, two and a half point, two and a half now point dog versus uh, at home versus the Tennessee Titans. You like? Yeah, I like. <laughs> good,
1: good guess. Good guess. They, I actually thought they played well week one, um, and so they, you know, they lost, but I thought they played very well on offense. They weren't good on defense, but you know, they they negative one in turnover margin. Um, but I had them week one 96th percentile for offensive yards six percent for 6th percentile for defensive yards. Basically they were they were a top offensive team and a bottom defensive team, but I still have them as the number 10 the, the 10th best game grade. Um oh, excuse me. That's the 8th best. No, 10th best game grade. Um week 1 um
0: last last week though. Like Okay, last. so going back to week 1. So this I think this is an interesting point where this is where your model is probably going to be um off versus perception so in that game it was kind of back and forth early the Packers then took a big lead um Kirk Cousins then I even made a joke about the fact that you know once when probability was less than five percent he becomes you know he's becoming Superman and and, and he, he played very well down the stretch to to give them offensive efficiency the question would be I know you, I believe you downweight, quote unquote, garbage time. So, this is more of a general question than about the specific game, but like, what is garbage time? There's a lot of disagreement with that because, number one, if if you just base it on win probability, I think there's some problems with that because I don't think teams actually change their behavior until like the fourth or third quarter, even if the win probability is really, really low early in the game. And number two is, is it 5%? Is it 2%? Is it 1%? I have a feeling it's much lower than what people think garbage time really is. But do you have any idea? I mean, do, can, can you yeah. quantify some of that stuff?
1: So we use, well, man, I feel like I'm going to give away a lot here. But well, okay, you, don't, don't, you don't, don't have mind. to give away no, anything. No, it's, I don't mind doing it because I'm like yeah. NFL is not as much of a priority to me now. Um, yeah. I'm more focused just on golf at this point. And, and so, um, but, but I use essentially a function, um, that is based off of, um, it's based off, off of the leverage of a situation. So, um, which is a function of win probability. So if, if, um, so the higher the leverage, well, okay. Okay. So I, the less time, I, it, it time there is it left in it's a sigmoidal logistic. It caps at okay. one, yeah. the less time it, it's a combination of time remaining and, um, yeah, it'll be yeah time remaining and score differential essentially, but because but, those inform win probability and leverage. Leverage being the the difference, you know, it's a it's 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 looking at the difference between the best possible outcome on the drive and the worst possible outcome, um, and and then standardizing that so the average situation's a one, right? So, um, so basically, it's it's I don't I don't make any decision there. It's it's a gradual thing. It obviously like it, it's. It, if you look at what this function looks like, it, the parameters of it, it drops off big time at, at a point. But, um, I, I can't speak to where the Minnesota game like hit on that
0: exactly. Um, but I'm sure. Okay. I mean, I mean, j- j- just to get an idea, I mean, like I said, we don't have to get into the exact numbers, but so here's in that game, it was 20, it was like I said, it was fairly close early and then it was 29 to 10 with, um, right at the end of the third quarter. So going into the fourth quarter is 29 to 10. And that's when the Vikings ran on the scored touchdowns on three straight possessions. Unfortunately, they gave up another two touchdowns <laughs> to the, to the Packers. So it didn't matter, but those are touchdowns that in the minds of fans were being discounted because they were thinking it's already 29, 10, um, but with a full quarter left and a 19 point lead, you know i i our are, are fans discounting that type of performance too i mean it's hard to score right even if the defense is not put even if the defense may be playing back a little bit well so, uh, score so three so straight touchdowns up,
1: you're bringing up another point so so there's both well there's the both per, the predictive a- aspect the fact that in garbage time what we're seeing may you know doesn't have as much predictive value but there's also the sort of situational aspect the the contextualization of that so you, so your point is basically that the defense is willing to give up more yards. So our baseline, like in sort of a DVOA framework, it's like, it should be defensive value over average, including the situation, right? So if you can, if you control for that, um, the offense should need to perform at a higher level to be that sort of threat, that, that sort of baseline, the baseline performance of a team should be better in that situation. Um, right. And so, I mean, I, I agree with that. I haven't, um I don't, to be quite honest, I've, I, I have something related to that in there. I'm not sure. Um, you also have, well, I, I'm not sure exactly. Um, I'm not sure exactly how much weight that actually has or how much, I, I don't think the difference was as big as I thought, but I mean, at the same time you're going to have, um, I mean, you also, I mean, there's, there's different game scripts too, where, where the other, where where a team that's behind a bunch. Sometimes will just sort of, kind of pack it in and just, you know, say, let's just get out of here and run it and just take the loss, right? So.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it was my intuition. And it seems like at least when it comes to the Vikings, it might back up the fact that, um, you know, we, people have a tendency just to view these things kind of through like a, a binary framework. So it's it's those three touchdowns are almost meaningless in people's minds for how well the Vikings played that game. Um.
1: Whereas I mean, I your model is not going to see that, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. there's a certain point where where the amount of signal drops off, right? For sure. So, but but there is some signal there for sure. I, I would I okay. would I would say. I mean, just and maybe yeah. I mean, being able to move the ball. Was, I mean, it, it's isn't that what Russell Wilson has done for in the fourth quarter? Like every, you know, every game it seems like in previous years. Like, hey, Seahawks fall behind. Ooh, Russell Wilson passes? Yeah. yeah. Last year, in get particular. back into the game.
0: So last, last year, last year in particular. Well, okay. So another thing about this matchup, um, I'm interested also in Ryan Tannehill a lot because he D-P-O-E. was he's, he's he's the completion percentage over expectation king. He was also, I mean, just if you look at to like expected points added metric, he was number one in that metric too. Um, he didn't have a lot of attempts because he didn't he didn't start the season, but he was number one there. He was the highest graded quarterback from a clean pocket. He basically did everything right when he had a, he had a substantial resume of mediocrity coming into that. So, so his Wait, prior I, I disagree into with the, that, I thought I always loved him in Miami. I don't know why, but I
1: always thought well, he was he a was, breakout candidate for like seven straight years. But I was um, always high on yeah. those. Do- I was, I was high on the Tannehill dolphins for whatever reason um, for, for a year or two there when they were like, this is when they were on the cusp of the playoffs. I think, did they
0: make the playoffs one of those years? Oh, they, I think they made it a couple different years. Yeah, yeah they, they maybe, outperformed like their six. they outperformed their um the the internals a lot of the time to to get into the playoffs a couple of different times. Well, Tannehill um, but was but a I'm just play success guy. I mean, he was great at dinking yes. and dunking,
1: but not getting yes. explosive plays. That was the yeah. yeah I mean, He, he
0: had um, was good. With those I mean, he had gates. He had Gaze for a couple of for a couple of years. Actually, his most successful year was Adam Gaze's first year there, which bolstered his his reputation, which is kind of weird to see in advance. But he also had um, who was it, Mike Sherman? Before that, it was like a Dink and Dunk uh. type of uh, type of coach be- before that. But anyway, I, I guess my point on, on Tannehill's maybe your model was higher on Tannehill anyway. But however you viewed him, it was a huge step up last year. So so I I, I kind of want to know his prior going into this season. How much does it look like last year's Tannehill? How much does it look like uh average quarterback Tannehill, which is how I would frame him? But if in a play success basis, you're right. He might have been like 65th percentile as opposed to being um uh, 50th percentile. So I mean, going
1: into the season, it looks like or or actually right now I should say out of relative to the other quarterbacks, I have him as the number twelve quarterback, just in the f- okay, which basically is the fixed effect going into the season. So um, that sounds fair. Well, yeah. it would be interesting to know, actually, is, is you're right. Where I had him last year, th- where his fixed effect was last year, and how much this one year moved it up. I mean, I think that I'm going to try to pull that up really quickly while we um, continue talking. But I mean, I'm I, actually I, I think a the big quarterback t- is fairly Titan deep supporter. too. I mean, I'm a like going into the season. I um, let's see. I had the. Do you Titans like the Titans? They were nine point six six wins, which was you know. 46% chance of winning that division, 69% chance of making the playoffs. So that was, I was bullish on them relative to the market, which, yeah. So felt, you would have liked odd. them. I think they were, it felt so odd to me given the fact that they're a team that, like, just run, you know, that, you know, runs the ball a lot. They got, they had an incredible amount of red zone luck last year. Um, you know, can they, what was it? They scored like 37 of 38 touchdowns in the red zone or something. I mean, like, that's unsustainable, mm-hmm. obviously. And we've seen that. But, yeah. But somehow I still like them, and I I can't tell you why exactly.
0: Well, I think it's probably because, um, I mean this is why it's good to model these things out, right? I mean, I I was joking that I could like every hated team, I, I could pick every hated team on here, and you're going to like them. But the thing is, um, even for someone like like the Titans, they fit the the archetype for someone you would think would be overvalued because of what they did last year, but the reason they may not be is because nobody believes it like everyone is everyone is selling the fact that it's going to that everyone's uh, you know buying that they're going to regress basically this year I mean they were plus 150 I think to win the division uh, worse than the Colts going into the season so yeah nobody was buying I mean they were buying Phillip Rivers and the Colts over they were buying this magical season from the from the Titans yeah I I, I, had, I was very
1: anti Indy um, or anti Philip Rivers I guess or indeed i'm not sure which it's hard it's hard out to there. figure out as i said but by the way so so i had Tannehill as an improvement of 0.95 points um in term from from lat, where he was last year so that was how much it affected his his sort of random effect there um but so you're like, right. that's I mean, big I think, yeah it is it is i mean he went from i like, mean if it's point the so as you say 0.9 so a point a game yeah a point a game better so but i I had him go like last season before he before he actually set on the field for the set tit- on the field. That's not the right way to say it, right? Before he stepped stepped on the field, field? you don't <laughs> set on the field. Before he stepped on the field for the Titans, um, he was just barely below average, point one seven points. Okay. And although average depends on the week and who the other quarterbacks are, like if we're comparing to David, Loft below whatever, um, and. Nobody the knows. other guys, I think, at the end of the year. I think it's blow, but nobody knows just sure. and duck Hodges. It's a little bit different than, you know, week six or something when you actually had healthier guys. So actually, yeah. Um, actually Mariotto was still on the field for them week six, I think. Oh no. So, okay. So actually it's improving improvement to more than a
0: point. Um, if relative to a regular quarterback stable, I mean, that so. that's big. I guess if you think about it, um, I don't know. I mean, if you believe the, and I think it's pretty good. The point differential to so like thirty points per win, so a point a game is maybe like half a win better or something like that for for the season. So I think that's 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 fairly significant. I'm I'm interested in this injury angle because I thought of Tannehill for a second because he was like I said he was. If, if you step back even a couple more years, he probably would have been a bit higher because he had a really poor last couple of years in. In Miami, and then it reminds me of Cam Newton, 2018. He, I think, people kind of overplay how good he looked in 2018, but he did look good the beginning half of the season. He had the problems. He stopped running the ball. That continued through 2018. Um, the beginning of 2019 it's pretty similar. There was not much going on. Now he's he's different. He's just a, I mean, he's running the ball more than he ever has. Now he's been more efficient than he ever has. So so how does that play into the the Patriots? Because I see the Patriots here are six point favorites against the Raiders but it sounds like you didn't like the the Raiders performance last week that much anyway no but so, I'm so what do you think
1: so the, the the funny thing is I actually like the Raiders more than the market a little bit um going into the the year and going into the game I actually if I had gone in my head I would have bet the Raiders um against the Saints I didn't ha- it wasn't a big enough edge to that so I didn't but but I so interestingly looking I just pulled up the you know the, the rating on Cam Newton uh, the Massey Peabody um quarterback number going into 2019 and in Newton was a half a point above average as a quarterback. Um, whereas now I have him a half a point below average. So, uh, going into this season. So last, last year was, was not his friend in terms of that. Um, and by the way, we, we've tried to make the quarterback number, um, a little bit more, um, quick to react, I guess. Uh, cause in the past, like what's funny is if you, like you could take a more longer time horizon and it tends to actually be a little fit a little better but i mean i think that that's um i think that in today's day and age it feels like things change a little more quickly so um so but but new england's rating is still fairly high um relatively speaking i guess just due to the fact that they had such a great defense last year and and again um you know not having like not factoring the injuries is is definitely a a down, downside there, or I shouldn't and say injuries there in the, there too. That's yeah, what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. I meant the opt outs. So, um, I, I make the Patriots a 2.9 point favorite.
0: So okay. So it's
1: six. So that's, that's, that's it's six. Wow. Okay. So that's a pretty big difference. Um, they have a, a higher home field advantage this coming week, um, with, with the travel situation there. Um, so, but you know, I see like, you know, I think ESPN's FBI has it like near six also, so I got six and a half now. So yeah, it's, that's,
0: it's, it's, that's 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 the fact that I'm a little higher on the Raiders. No, I think I remember. Uh, you know, I don't know if it was last season or two seasons ago, but I think it was two seasons ago when the Raiders were really god awful. That you were consistently higher on them. And I think I was consistently higher on them too, because they had like a high play success uh, type of metric with the way that Derek, Derek Carr, Derek Carr actually hasn't been as bad as what people think.
1: Derek Carr gets so much flack and he seems like a pretty good quarterback.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, but, but he just does things. He doesn't throw the ball deep when people want him to. And then it ends up being uh, people send highlights all over, uh, you know, people send Twitter clips about, about him checking down. And then it becomes a meme.
1: Yeah. But what's interesting here is that I wasn't low on New England to begin the season. Um, and it's just the fact that the market has said, okay, Cam Newton is, is the Cam Newton of old, like, right. This is better a much, right. This is a much bigger difference. This is better than Tom Brady was last year for sure. Um, this, and, and so they're adjusting New England rating a lot more than they would if New England had the same, you know, if it was, let's say, um, any other quarterback or, or let's say if Tom Brady started the year with New England and played this way for two weeks, you wouldn't see the same adjustment. Although you wouldn't have seen New England probably as low as they were to begin the season as well. So I think the the whole point there is that Cam Newton was a big unknown and, and now we're seeing what Belichick's been able to do and, and Josh McDaniels have been able to do with them. And in a way it's sort of, we're seeing, okay, victory for the Patriots coaching staff, being able to, uh, being able to really maximize Cam Newton and victory for Cam
0: Newton being healthy. So now, did you remember if, um, before the season started, I mean, now the bills are two and zero, and the Patriots are one and one. So it kind of skews things when I'm looking at some of your numbers to tell what you may have thought preseason, but uh, I mean, yeah, I can find, the, I can find the like, markets were really high for every, the markets every were really on high three. on the Patriots for most of the off season. They were almost co-equals to the, to the bills, um so it sounds like you might have been lower on them well so okay so going into the season i had new england as the favorite to win the division or oh you a, did okay they
1: had a, well they they had the plurality well, the defense of, we talked about they had, the, they had a plurality of percentages right, they were yeah. uh, <laughs> they were 34 i forgot 2%. about your jets
0: love your jets your jets love also comes yeah. into that
1: yeah literally okay it was patriots 8.35 wins bills 8.17 Jets seven point nine
0: five. Oh, you must 5.6. have loved the Jets then preseason. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm not the only one. Apparently, they they had gotten some love. I think Football Outsiders had them in the set, like over seven, like seven and a half, maybe. Um, yeah. My buddy, my buddy um, Mark, who or Ed Teach on uh, Twitter, yeah. who hit the on the bet the process hanging podcast out, kid, recently. Who's who's home at Lamar Lago right now um, with his big check from from all his Lamar Jackson MVP that's but he i mean he was he's high in the jets too um and he and i
0: kind of disagreed he, he could burn his tyrod taylor mvp tickets
1: yeah and you know what i picked <laughs> i drafted tyrod taylor as a third quarterback on fantasy team in a two quarterback league and i'm not very happy about that right now yeah. and 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 i and i, I, I might have played you know given i might have played one i bet one tyrod taylor i think at draft kings at 150 to one i think they only took like 20 dollars though so It'd be, yeah. It's almost better that he doesn't win because I would just regret not, if he won and I only bet 20 on it, <laughs> that, would, that would be more sad than anything. But, yeah, so, um, but New England, so now, um, they, they were 34% to win the division going into the year. I actually only have them at 38% now, so I have them up to an 8.7 win projection, um, And but it's the Bills that have taken the big leap. They're at 9.4 and 51% to win the division.
0: Right, and I mean, the, they, the they Jets beat up on two. Going down,
1: well, yeah, maybe, maybe I give them too much credit for for steamrolling the Jets because I thought the Jets were not a weren't going to be pushovers as much, but that'll change. The good thing about that is that'll change as we get more information on the Jets. So that win won't look as good for the Bills if the
0: Jets continue to play poorly. But I'm hoping the Jets don't because it'll cost me money. <laughs> okay. Well, let's. Uh, I'm interested uh, also on this whole quarterback versus team Tom Brady question. So, why don't we flip over to the Buccaneers, who are six point favorites at the Denver Broncos? Um, traditionally, the Broncos have I think has been a tough place to play early in the season. At least that's what the, the 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 numbers come out come out to. Um, and that that effect you figure is not going to be as diluted um as a crowd noise effect because the altitude is the altitude no matter what uh, no matter what's happening there. So so w- w- what do you think about this and I guess Driscoll comes into it but I'm not sure Driscoll is that much of a downgrade from really? Drew Lock. I mean presu- presumably presumably uh, uh, no I'm talking about in a model based sort of system. I think people are very high on Drew Locke, but he was a second round pick. He was he was okay last year. So so maybe you're right. Maybe it is a bigger discount than I think but um I'm not sure what the downgrade was um Versus what? How people reviewing this game beforehand? But anyway, what what do you think about this game?
1: Well, first off, I have it as a two and a half point downgrade. But part of that is, I mean, for the the, the team level, my CP body. Um, part of the reason, though, is that I actually do have a um, a an adjustment for like part of the factor in quarterback rating is is this person replacing an injured starter because I assume that I you know otherwise I would get. You know, there's situations where I'd have a quarterback rated higher than a backup possibly rated higher than a starter, which can be, right. you know, that that can happen sometimes. But in general, you tend to think that the coaching staff knows better than you do about who, who's going to give them the best chance to win. Although, you know, I think we've learned
0: that the Physical coaching probably staff probably isn't, uh, isn't necessarily seen as being a starter quality guy, but yeah. No.
1: So he gets, he. I mean, so basically there's a downgrade there just given the fact that, like, he's he's rated lower than he would be rated if he had started the season as denver's starter if they decided he's who they wanted to be their starting quarterback without any injury so which you know obviously that's not like quote unquote right i mean that's but it's trying to add information that it's adding information that that does improve projections though um and it makes sense because we know that the start you know we know that you know the coaches know stuff that we don't um so i make that line right where the market is i make it
0: um Well, I make it Tampa minus 6.3. Okay. So, so that's close there. Do you know what, can you parse out like the home field advantage there? And do you have any feelings about the home field advantage discussion? It seems like there hasn't been that much of a, of a difference in people's minds. Uh, I mean, it's hard to tell with two weeks. You
1: can't really tell anything. I mean, I agree that the altitude is a thing, but I mean, part of that, I, I don't know how much is real versus perception. Um, And I don't know, like, I don't know when Tampa is going to be getting to Denver, if they'll be there for five days, if they'll be there for two days, I think that probably does make a difference, the time to acclimate. So, um, I mean, I remember when I actually explored home field effects to try to see if there are persistent differences relative to expectation, and the expectation includes like travel distance and stuff like that. Um, This was I looked at this probably, this is five years ago, and I found that like, the Ravens were the greatest, but, but I also found that any of these home field advantages, just, if you look at the distribution in general of like error, quote error in home field, like the difference between what it should have been if for, an, for a normal team based on the travel circumstances and what it actually was, um, you found that there were like the distribution did show some significant um, or I guess statistically marginally significant differences from what it would have been if it was just random. But the funny thing is, if you looked at it forward, like if you, you, no matter how you broke it up into chunks, if you said, okay, let's look at, let's look at it over, you know, the period of 2007 to 2010 and how that predicts 2011, you know, and then look at, you know, 2008 to 2011 and how that predicts 2012, et cetera, et cetera, you found absolutely no predictive value for the home field. So, um, but that said, I do believe there probably is something to Denver. I mean, I think it, that's it's it's kind of an edge case because they do there is one, there is something that should fundamentally change it. Right. And that's the fact that, you know, the the elevation. Um and the fact that it it is a lot harder if you're to deal with the conditioning aspects. So um but I, I make the home field number right now. I'm I'm basically just going across the board saying home field is 85% of what it would have been. I mean, and and I'm looking and saying, you know, in this case, I'd be like, okay, you know what, I'm going to bump it a little bit probably manually um, for Denver. But the 85% amount would be 2.1 points in this case, 2.08. How
0: how do you think it's being priced in the market versus the 85%?
1: Honestly, I haven't really looked. Um, I don't think I've been particular. I I think it's... and Also, it's... I mean, the difference between... 85% 85% and a hundred percent and 50% still, small. I mean, right. It's where we're talking. Well, I guess the difference between 50% and a hundred percent is a little over a point or like 1.1 points, I guess, depending on what you think about how it's trending. But, um, I think it's hard to, uh, you know, it was hard for me. I it nothing immediately jumped out at me. So, uh, I seem to have bets on both home and road teams. Personally, okay. what, I, I was about, expecting that there would be more edge to home teams because I thought that home field advantage would probably be stronger than most people. Given the fact that I tend to think less comes from um, from like the crowd and and more comes from familiarity with the stadium and being in that you know sleeping sleeping in your you know sleeping in your bed at night and having your routine and knowing you know all that stuff.
0: I mean, I didn't look into it, but it sounds like you were in more agreement with. Um, with the with the books on this because most people were surprised there wasn't a bigger adjustment essentially so yeah sounds like you were you were higher than other betters or, or at least people were talking <laughs> people were better twitter betters um okay. as uh um uh, but maybe not as opposed to what they're actually s- sending these lines at well how about brady wait, 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 on wait, this? really p- quick on home field advantage though yeah. you, so
1: you're um i think one of your colleagues um said something I, I someone sent me this clip on it was which i forget which game no it was the it was the kansas city chargers game um yeah it, it was it was george who said that there will be literally zero he said literally zero home field advantage and i was like i mean i, I was you like know, a little is have that you, a data-driven take because on... i hope that's not a data-driven take otherwise no, like no, i don't think i was like that's a maybe i've been using the wrong you know maybe i shouldn't be buying the pro football book no i mean no, I, that'll I think be, that was a hot uh, take
0: right but that was that was definitely a hot take okay. literally zero means maybe less <laughs> than usual that's how it, you translate less than usual yeah, exactly okay. not yeah maybe it's slightly less is how you translate those things um well what about brady i'm interested in brady versus Jameis, since everyone was so high on Jameis, it was was, was it a definitive upgrade for I, for your prior personally i don't think so um
1: in terms of what do my numbers say? Um, well, I know the deficiencies of my numbers. So, um, <laughs> my numbers say it was, but again, like, you know, what's funny. I could run it differently with, with a longer time horizon for the quarterback and the model fit ends up being like not that far different. It ends up being a worse fit, but, but the number could end up being quite different, which is a reason why I kind of like doing some sort of ensembling of, of the different, in which I'm sure you, you do plenty of that. Um, you know in terms of uh the prior stuff but yeah i i don't my numbers don't think it, think it's actually an upgrade um but then again that as as i said there are issues with the falling off of a cliff and not being able to really
0: the fact, i think that i'm under understating the age effect there yeah yeah I mean, I, it's one of those things where maybe understanding the age effect means you're right most of the time, but then you're very wrong. You're small really wrong. Yeah. yeah.
1: I remember. Yeah. Like, I remember with Peyton Manning that year, I was so wrong.
0: Yeah. 20, it's like yeah, 2015, Peyton Manning was, was not good.
1: Not yeah. It's good. almost um, like, okay, there's two different states. There's like continues to play pretty normally and like ceases to exist as an NFL quarterback.
0: Right. And it's yeah, like, which, yeah.
1: it's like, a, it's like a markup. Like, it's like, which one does, which, which bucket does he fall into?
0: Okay, so let me, going through the rest of the games here, there's one, okay, the big game is the Ravens at the Chiefs, and the interesting thing about this game is it's moved slightly towards the Ravens, but I think you were high on the Ravens anyway, so it's Ravens three and a half um, at home versus the Chiefs, a lot of people still see the Chiefs as being the best team as, in the NFL, this would put it at the Ravens being slightly better, I think, Um any, any opinion on this one
1: yeah I have a lean towards Baltimore I, I don't have a play because I only make the line 4.4 4, but I, I certainly do not make the chiefs the best team in football and I think you know the big reason there is is just they don't have the defense I mean they they are they are clearly in my opinion the best offense in football but they have a defense which is um league average to I have it a tenth of a point better than average whereas you have I mean, the Ravens with the defense that is, you know, 2.6 points better than that. And um, which, yeah. And the number four defense in football and, and another, uh, and it's why I have new Orleans rated higher than Kansas city too. They have, I probably still think their offense is better than it actually is. Um, Cause if Drew Brees has in fact hit like not a true NFL quarterback status, then I'm going to be wrong as we had mentioned, but but I think the Saints have a tremendous defense.
0: What about offense versus offense? Ravens and Chiefs. Um, I, the Chiefs are the better offense. There, they are. Okay, um, okay. I have the Chiefs at, at.
1: I have the Chiefs as number one, and the Ravens is number five. But it's it's only half a point difference there. So there's okay. there's some crowding at the top. Surprisingly, and- I have Green, Green Bay is number two. So far this season, they've been pretty strong, but Green. I just rate their. I just ha- think that they have a god awful defense, or their defense is. I mean, my numbers on their defense is like it's a. Well, it is not. It is back
0: third. But yeah, league, I mean, it's so. the same thing we we're talking about with the the you, like you saw week one as being a poor performance, whereas most people probably uh, kind of kind of ignored that um, sure. for Mahomes now. Do you have him as being the best quarterback or the most valuable quarterback in the NFL and if so by how much? I don't. Um but then again Ooh, that's hot. This is spicy. Well, no. I mean,
1: well, I, I think he is. And and I yeah. think any rational person probably thinks it's him or Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson, not Drew Brees. But Yeah. As I said, that's
0: that's the problem with a um Something purely oh, so statistical. Breeze, so, like the, this. Breeze is number, is number one there. I mean, that, I, it's, I, okay, it's, it's like, like I said,
1: Br- it, Breeze, Breeze, Brady,
0: Mahomes, it, it looks awful. <laughs> and and Rivers, is, Rivers is pretty high too. I hate to say it. Well, you know, it's funny. We did this. Um, I don't know if you ever, I don't know if you follow Timo Riske, he's another guy at PFF. And we did this MVP modeling in the offseason. And the, it loved these old guys. It loved these old guys. I mean, Rodgers uh brady a little bit not as much because he got too much hype for for this move to the bucks um matt ryan uh phil rivers like it kind of ryan? really liked those guys a lot
1: but ryan i mean d-
0: well ryan was fifty ryan to it's one. his team it just isn't
1: good like I, I don't think people saw a lot of upside in that team in general given the no, defense, i agree right? but it was it
0: was like a price-based thing he was he was 50 to one so it was you know yeah uh at, what at, about at that Stafford? So he's, No, I don't think Stafford ended up being on there. I'm Um, guessing not. Tyrod Taylor. (laughs) No, I don't even have as a starting quarterback. But no, he was not a but. I yeah. think generally uh, Rogers was one of ours. So he's probably moved up more than anyone relative to his, his odds, which is kind of strange. And it's also strange that he's eight to one now um, versus Russell Wilson at three to one, even though they've been about, about equal. So it kind of shows you how the public, how the perception shifted on Rogers as being a lot worse than Russell Wilson. Um, whereas a couple of years ago, even a year ago, it probably would have been uh, the other way around. For, for sure. It's, um,
1: yeah. And in terms of the, the older quarterback thing, I think it is, um, I, I think it's a, it's, it's a, it's a difficult, I, I hope I'm not the only one having problems with it. Otherwise I'd feel like it oh, make me feel inadequate, but I think it, it's hard no, to, no. <laughs> um, no, I think it is. It, it's, it's something that's, I mean, it's hard to capture just, I mean, I think that's why having something like the game grades is, is useful. So,
0: um, no no i i think so and like we we're saying it's like if you're if you're if you're betting on outcomes versus betting on what the like the average number is going to be then you want to be um more conservative downgrading these guys because you know, if it's eight to eight out of ten times you're correct, well, then you're that. That's what you want to do from a betting perspective. Even if the two times that you're wrong, you're really, really wrong. You're not you're not losing more money because you're really, really wrong on these circumstances, unless you're betting it, I guess, over and over again the entire that's season.
1: <laughs> and the other uh, problem is that,
0: that it's it's hard. Like, I mean, someone who hasn't had that
1: many seasons starting, like Lamar Jackson, going into his second second full season as a starter, just like if you're doing any sort of mixed effects model, there, it's hard. You know, there's just not enough time to get his. I guess to to get his quarterback number high enough. The the funny thing is, it's it's not like it's not like I'm really like oh like think the Saints are so much better the market. Although I do think the Saints are better in the market, but or that the Bucs are better in the market, um, or or these teams with older quarterbacks. Like hell, I I think I'm low I'm low on the um, on the Colts, but it's more about um, it's 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 more just about the credit and blame versus the offense and the quarterback. I think that's what it comes down to, which makes a difference. It does make a difference when you have somebody changing teams, but, um, and it makes a difference in general, but it's not as much. It's not like, Oh my God, like I, you know, I have Mahomes so low um, at number three, I'm going to be super low in Kansas city. No, I still think Kansas City's the best offensive football.
0: Right. You know, you know what's so. a, a pretty interesting about this matchup that I didn't really think about a lot until this week um, when you have the Ravens and the chiefs, now both teams are 2 and 0. This this season this is a much higher leverage game I think for Super Bowl odds uh, than than normal because of the new buy uh rules where only one team gets a buy. So whoever wins this, they're not going to play each other again this this regular season. Whoever wins this essentially has a two game lead. In the in the standings to get to get the buy. Obviously, this is all part of the simulations that you're doing, but I think it's pretty interesting. I don't know if people realize for a week three game the implications for for this particular game.
1: Oh, for for certain. I mean, because if you're looking at a normal year, like right now, I have Baltimore as 38% to be the number one seed, and Kansas City is 19%. Um, and I Baltimore basically I have Baltimore 55% to be one of the top two seeds, and Kansas City 42%. For that so, that's you're right. I mean, not having that second buy really changes things. And I actually noticed last week looking at my simulation results, um, the difference there because I had San Francisco as the third highest projected wins in the NFC West at that time. I mean, it was close, um, is it, that's that's a quite that's quite crowded there, um, but I had them, yeah, third, third highest, yet I had them is the highest probability of any team in the NFC West to make the Super Bowl, despite. and and despite also being third highest probability of winning the division and making the playoffs. So it was just that, 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 um, you know, they were just that opening loss to Arizona, um, put them, um, put them at a such put them at a disadvantage in terms of the division, but at the same time, they were still a better team than the other teams in the division. And, and the fact that basically neither Seattle nor the Rams were, probably in line to be a first, like a, a first, well, number one seed. So first round buy. so they're all essentially lumped into that same camp. Whereas other years I've always t- tended to find a lot of value on these sort of the top teams, because it seems like the market is underpricing the effect of that first round by um, not just because you, you have a getting to go into the next round without playing a game, but also getting to rest up and get healthy. And a buy is definitely has, has
0: value. Um, yeah, about right. a point and a half, I found. I mean, it makes sense for the 49ers because, I mean, now now that it's – I mean, once you can discount the buy because it's just like it's probably not going to happen, um, the new playoff system then helps them in a way because an extra team gets in so they can they can still get in. Um, they have an easier path to getting into the playoffs, I guess, even if they're behind every team in their own division. Exactly. Like the talented team that kind of just fights and gets
1: in um, – has a, had a has a chance um or, or they're not as prohibitive i guess it's it, i don't know if it's them having i mean they have the same chance i guess a six seed normally would have but but or, or close to it it's just that they the, those top two teams are just not that far ahead of everybody else it, it's more homogenous right 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 I mean, it'll, it'll be yeah. that one top team just having much greater odds than everybody else but but And, and, and the, you know, it doesn't, I I don't know. I mean, what do you, what do you think about it? Do you think it unfairly, I mean, is it, is it a good thing for football or bad thing for football? Um, uh,
0: I mean, I, I, I'm kind of, uh, ambivalent about it, I guess. I like more football. Um, I think teams that would get in are pretty, you know, there's not a huge drop-off in quality. I don't think between the, what would have been like the, the sixth team to make it versus the the seventh team to to make the playoffs. So I think people are are assuming it'll be diluted a lot where, you know, if the Rams would have made the playoffs last year, uh, which they would have underneath this new system. I mean, they're a pretty good team. They're showing now they're showing this year, right? That they're a pretty good team that they, they could have made a, they could have made a run. So I, I think it, it, I think it's good for football in a way because so many teams will still be in it near the end. Um, I think the NFL is fairly deep, so, getting more of these teams, you're you're more likely to get a marquee player into the playoffs. Let's say someone like a Kyler Murray or someone like that could could maybe get into the playoffs this year. And people kind of forget about the unfairness of it all. It adds, you know, people just push that aside. And whoever won was the team that deserved to win, sort of <laughs> sort of situation. <laughs> so, yep. so I think, and, and people already undervalue the buy, right? So, from my perspective, it may it, it's a huge advantage. But from most people's perspective, it's. If you're the better team, then you go out there and win type of philosophy. So true. All right, Rufus. Well, I think, you know, I've taken so much of your time here. I appreciate it. we really went into a lot of detail here. You, you brought us behind the curtain. For, <sighs> well, <laughs> for, Kevin, I, I really for, enjoyed it. Like it's you, it's it's really fun to talk to you about this stuff. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, and uh, if anyone wants to hear more of this. Bet the Process is the podcast. Uh, like I said, I'm a listener. Uh, you guys do it once a week, you and, you and Jeff, uh, th- through the season. I really enjoyed the off-season stuff that you guys had, too, and, and bringing some, some guests on there. So that, th- that was great. Um, love hearing your perspective there. And like I said before, you can follow Rufus on Twitter, at Rufus Peabody. And thank you so much for taking the time, man. Hey, thanks for having me.